1: welcome back to road of his overtime on road of his radio brought to you by blue wire this is going to be a special draft edition of road of his overtime we are drafting in the 125 dollar ffpc basketball tournament sean we came in second place in this tournament last season we're hoping to go one better we did come second just to conroe driscoll in this format but we did that from the 112 along with blair andrews and the only way sean to do it better this year is to to win it all from the 112 we did a, a podcast that came out earlier this week talking about how to turn the 112 into a winning proposition that's what we're tasked with here today so the 112 how are you feeling about the draft slot and, and what are you thinking we should do here when it comes to the the turn here at 112 201
2: yeah i i love it right i mean this is a great spot you can do so many things out of it the players that we were looking for sort of fall to this juncture we can take cd lamb we can take derrick henry we take deandre swift we can go with the elite tight end, and Mark Andrews. Saquon Barkley is here. Colin, we have 40 seconds. I don't know. It just seems like an abundance of riches. What direction are you leaning?
1: On that show earlier this week, I talked about that DeAndre Swift and Saquon Barkley should be first-round picks. I'm going to put this on you, but I'm not against starting DeAndre Swift, Saquon Barkley, and then really pushing that third running back spot for for quite some time here. Um, How do you feel about that?
2: Yeah, well, let's start with Barkley and make sure that we lock him in. I took DeAndre Swift and a couple of other drafts this week and getting the exposure up pretty high there. When we're looking at this, especially in the tight end premium format of the FFPC, do you feel comfortable passing on Mark Andrews and Kyle Pitts, knowing that if we do, we're going to be drafting from a lesser group of tight ends? Are you comfortable passing... CD lamb here and Derek Henry does fall and he's someone who uh, despite the lack of receptions the range of outcomes tool still loves I mean he was scoring a a ton of points last year before the injury he just keeps going up and up and up
1: yeah I'm not against taking Henry either I would prefer to go Swift but Henry is another player that I'm happy to go with I think at the three four turn there is possibly an option to get Kettle or Waller but I also wouldn't be against going the tight end. But I I think it could be a pretty fun start to get the the two running backs off the bat unless you feel strongly to go tight end. Seven seconds left. Sean can make the final call here.
2: Well, let's go with Derrick Henry. Just get a little bit of a a different mix in there. This obviously won't be the normal sort of his OT draft from the term, but I don't know that we can allow Derrick Henry to go to other drafters here
1: i think sean i know it's not our normal start but i do think the way the running back position has fallen this year we talked recently maybe a week ago about derrick henry being too much of a value sometimes sliding to that mid-second round and then we look at the type of uh you know profile that both swift and barkley have i think the three of those guys definitely are are not the usual back end of the first round running back options that we do see so Maybe it's not our normal, our normal play, but I think we're still going to be in a pretty good slot. Um, the CD Lamb was the other wide receiver I'd have been interested in there, and then you did mention both Andrews and Pitts. I think when we're drafting from the back end of the first round, obviously we'll be doing a few of these drafts. I think my thought process in that slot is that maybe in the third, fourth round you get the option to go Kittle or Waller, if depending on how those players slide out. So. We will get our shots, I think, at, at Andrews and Pitts and, and other drafts. But how are you feeling after going running back, running back to start here? I, I mentioned on a few shows, Sean, I'm not against drafting running backs. and This is the the most interest that I've been in drafting first-round running backs in uh, quite a number of years. So how do you feel about the, the Henry Barkley start there?
2: I do like it. And one of the things that we talked about in that show is that running backs are giving you a better option this season. We mentioned Pete's note about not chasing the wide receiver points actually this year. I think that Saquon Barkley and Derrick Henry could easily finish one, two at running back. I'm not necessarily saying that they're going to finish ahead of Austin Eckler, Dalvin Kutnashi, Harris, the three guys who went ahead of us. I do like both of them ahead of Harris, but I think they easily could. I don't think that you're losing any ground at all to drafters who are picking in the middle of the first round. In the middle of the first round, has had very good win rates. So from that perspective, I like it. We know that the running back, running back start has been effective historically in FFPC best ball contest. It's obviously not the only way to do it. I love the start that the drafter out of the sixth slot has gotten here by being able to go Jamar Chase, CeeDee Lamb. I think that's the ultimate dream when you're drafting out of that position. A little surprised to see Austin Eckler, Joe Mixon go together there uh, when you contrast those two when you think about where we are sort of with our running backs i mean i strongly prefer obviously barkley henry to eckler nixon i do prefer the chase lamb start i think that's a lot more fun and yet there's a lot to still happen here i'm surprised that the kyle pitts hasn't gone he should obviously be going in this part of the draft. i think that the concern about the atlanta falcons offense is just wildly overstated at this point At the same time, you know, we we may get like a quarter and a half into the first game of the season, and I'll be sitting there watching and thinking, well, maybe it wasn't overstated. So there's uncertainty with the Falcons. I've been playing that because I think that when you're getting opportunities like that, where the community could be wrong, that's where the big wins come in. And with Kyle Pitts, I mean, if the Falcons offense is bad, I mean, he's going to be a small loss because... He's so good, the volume will have to flow through him, and the positional advantage is so great that he doesn't necessarily have to hit the heights of the players that we drafted. we say Saquon Barkley and Derrick Henry have to be very, very good in order to justify that draft position due to the way all of this sets up, Pitts doesn't have to be. But Colin, we, we have talked about Pitts quite a bit. Obviously, listeners know where we are there. The drafter out of three gets to start. Justin Jefferson, Kyle Pitts, Again, there are, there are a few starts here that we probably like even better than our own, but drafting out of the 12, you've got to take some big swings, take a little bit of risk. Again, I mean, you talk about two years ago and Saquon Barkley, Derek Henry are going 3-4. Fantasy has evolved, but you have to look at some opportunities to sort of strike back or to zig when other people are zagging. And... Figure out where the exploitable opportunities are going to be this season. It doesn't mean that it's going to be those two backs, but I do think that the value really falls off then in the second round after those guys are gone. So I like our start.
1: Yeah, I really like the start too. A little bit interesting, Sean, but you have teased some of the starts for some of these rosters, and I had purposely not been sharing the draft board. So let's bring up the draft board, and uh, anyone watching along will be able to see it, but anyone listening along will give a little bit of feedback as to how things are going. So it started off pretty much. As you'd expect, Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, Austin Eckler, Jamar Chase, Travis Kelsey, Stefan Diggs, Dalvin Cook, Devontae Adams, Najee Harris. Then we go Barkley Henry. So pretty much by ADP, the players you'd expect to get there. The player who did slide a little bit was the one we talked about. That was CeeDee Lamb. Uh, He goes in the mid-second round, and that team in the sixth slot has started off nicely with Chase Lamb and Pittman there to kick things off. We also have, uh, after our pick, Debo Samuel, Keenan Allen going a little... Earlier than you may expect here, then the Dalvin Cook drafter also got DeAndre Swift, then Mark Andrews, Aaron Jones, C D Lamb as I mentioned, Joe Mixon, Alvin Kamara, Kyle Pitts, who we talked about, then Javante Williams, Darren Waller, who I anticipated maybe coming back to the end of this round. That hasn't obviously happened here. Boris Hall getting a little bit of a push there in ADP. Uh, he goes to the Jonathan Taylor drafter. The team in two looks to be auto-drafting. They get Leonard Fournette there. Uh, then we have travis Edie and tyree kill t higgins michael Pittman, james connor so kind of as we would expect some players going a little bit earlier than adp darn waller and Brees hall being two of the main candidates but um as you would kind of expect at this point but as we get ready sean four picks away from our next two selections back to back here who are some of the preferred options some of the players that will be available on the board as things stand will be mike evans nick chubb is there. Leading away from running back here, in my opinion, then we get AJ Brown, DJ Moore options, Mike Williams, George Kittle, who I mentioned, Jalen Waddle, who has very suddenly become my most rostered player over at the FFPC. Um, who are you feeling like here? It feels like shying away from the the running back options that are available. I was going to make a deal with you when we did take those players at the 1-2 turn that that meant that we couldn't draft Brees Hall or Travis Etienne at the at the 3-4 turn. Uh, that is always the difficult part in these drafts, particularly from the back, because usually Hall and Etienne are options that may be there for you, but they are no longer there for us. How are you feeling coming into this turn? We, we will have a number of options that I'm very interested in, as Mike Evans and Waddle and AJ Brown also go off the board.
2: Yeah, just looking at this tournament specifically, in the last three days, we have... Brees Hall at the 404. So he does go early in this draft. Players who do have ADPs sliding back around the turn, DJ Moore, Mike Williams, Cortland Sutton, George Kittle, those are all options. I guess one of the reasons that I am looking to have a lot of our Andrews and Pitts is that I do think that George Kittle, who's the player who comes back here at tight end, is a little bit of a tricky draft because... Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk are so good. And so we have 30 seconds here for our pick at the 311. Colin, DJ Moore, I mean, I haven't been loading up so far this offseason, but he's now becoming a trendier player. I mean, he, he falls to us in the perfect situation. He was on that team last year and he was actually the guy who let us down. Do we want to go back to the well? What are you thinking here?
1: We want to go back to the well. He's going to come through for us this year. That's the that's the key takeaway. Uh, DJ Moore, I think, is the clear pick here in terms of the wide receiver options. It doesn't sound like you're Fancying George Kittle, that kind of leaves us with the likes of uh, Mike Evans, Cortland Sutton um, would be the potential remaining options with him. For me, out of those guys, Williams—I said Evans—I think I meant Mike Williams would be the the option for me at this particular point. Have you a strong feeling on either of those? Now you completely out on George Kittle at this point?
2: Not completely out. Yeah. If if that was your vote, then I would. I, I, we'd probably have to go that direction. I think. I do like some of the late tight ends. I know that's not the way to play it. We encourage people structurally to get that elite tight end. Mike Williams here, though, is a value to me. I think he's going to be the smash player from this Chargers offense. If he stays healthy, if they take the next step, I mean, I don't see how he doesn't crush from the 401.
1: Yeah, let's do it. Uh, My question to you is going to be, I'm not against Kettle at that point, but based on the fact that we went running back, running back, I do like to make sure that we start to push that wide receiver advantage as we can start – those wide receivers in the flex in this format as you mentioned there is some later tight ends this year that maybe aren't the we wouldn't usually have the confidence in the the later tight ends and maybe maybe that's something that'll work against us but there's a couple of guys that we really do like that we think that if you go for a, a two to three tight end build in this i think you can still make that work so we'll see and sean the the tight ends when you do pass in this range i have started a couple of drafts recently with the likes of as I mentioned, Swift and Barkley or Swift and Henry and kind of combinations of that starting off running back, running back from particularly the 11th or 12th slot. But I have tried to then push that wide receiver advantage. And then I have been picking up some of those uh, guys that we're going to target today, but also some of the the tight ends and that kind of second tier when we look down to the kind of Fairmouth uh, kind of range there. So we'll see how it's playing out. We start off now, we have two running backs, two wide receivers, DJ Moore, Mike Williams, Saquon Barkley, Hunter Henry. After that, Gabe Davis goes off the board. Then we also see Marquise Brown. When I mentioned trying to push in those wide receivers, Sean, if you start running back, running back, are you more likely to try and focus and getting those wide receivers if there is two there that you like, or um, you know, let's say Waller slid back there, maybe there's no chance of Pitts getting there. But my question is, if you start off running back, running back, are you trying to make sure you you get two strong wide receivers after that point
2: not necessarily because one of the reasons that the running back heavy starts tend to fail is that once drafters do go running back heavy then they do feel that pressure to get the wide receiver so then they leave the tight end far too late in many many circumstances and then as a result of that the team just doesn't have the overall firepower. So when you start with the running backs and then you start start chasing the entire rest of the draft at all of these different positions, you can make some big structural mistakes. So for me, if Darren Waller were to come back around, then I would be very interested in him. I think that in an offense that should be pass heavy, we don't know for sure that Josh McDaniels will call it that way this year. But when you have a Devontae Adams, when you have a Darren Waller, when you have an ascending veteran and we do see some of these veterans make some big moves in their 30s when you have an ascending veteran like a Derek Carr then I mean this offense especially when I mean McDaniels also has his Wes Welker Julian Edelman type and Hunter Renfro right I mean I'm not drafting a lot of Renfro because he just would really need to have a a true Wes Welker Julian Edelman peak type of season I don't think that those guys when they had the peak seasons now obviously Welker had some very good seasons alongside randy moss but looking at how that would all work out i don't see how renfro has quite the volume he needs with those other two guys there he's probably not going to be the touchdown guy and yet if you had to make like one pick out of every player in the entire nfl for this season to just be a small win to say this guy is going to finish ahead of adp We emphasize all the time that that's not how you win leagues and not how you win tournaments. But if you had to make that pick, then Hunter Renfro would likely be there. Again, this is a situation where all of this, I believe, encourages drafters to consider Derek Carr as a discount option. I I like Darren Waller. I think that number one, he's very, very good. Number two, you can see how he would have the huge game at the right time. Now, could George Kittle have the huge game at the right time? He could. The problem is that some of those other games are just so small that you're going to need to have another tight end putting up big points for you in the fantasy playoffs to get through, to have that upside in week 17. But like we talked about, there are some other guys. So from that perspective, maybe a Kittle and then a Gerald Everett, a Noah Fant, an Albert O, oh, a a Col Cole Komet. I mean, it looks like Komet could lead the tight end position in targets there. There are huge concerns about the Chicago Bears, and yet if Justin Fields and Cole Komet are ascending players and they don't have anybody else other than Darnell Mooney, who also is a good player, another guy where, I mean, if you had to pick for a small win, I mean, Darnell Mooney is such an easy target. You look at these preseason games, his ability to get open, his ability to go up and make catches for a smaller receiver, his athleticism and playmaking, I think, is underrated. So, I I mean, Darnell Mooney is one of the guys where I'm not – drafting him and yet if that ended up being a player that i missed out on in a big way i wouldn't be surprised i I just i think the bears are going to have to do a few things there the volume is going to run through them you look at some of these other teams and players where the adp is pushed up because it's going to have to run through them i mean brandon cooks are you you're that excited to draft brandon cooks ahead of darnell mooney i mean that doesn't make any sense to me right so i mean i'm not drafting either one of those guys but one player appears to be a pretty easy value. Now, Colin, as we go through this fourth round, we do see the normal trend that you see everywhere, which is that wide receivers are going fast and furious. One of the things I wanted to mention earlier that I did like when we started running back, running back, aside. I did like that the second round was running back heavy. I liked that the beginning of the third was running back heavy. One of the things you don't necessarily want to see is for the Jonathan Taylor and Christian McCaffrey managers to make really savvy wide receiver or tight end picks in that two three turn i mean they, they draft some good running backs and maybe say well, i mean they're going to get some wide receivers later but i think that it's a real gift to the rest of the draft when the taylor and mccaffrey owners add in some running back that really lowers the ceiling for their overall team so from that perspective i think we're in good shape now the drafter out of four has started. I'm mean, sorry, the drafter out of three has started Justin Jefferson, Kyle Pitts, Travis Etienne, Jerry Judy, and now it goes to the Schuster. That's a dream start there.
1: Yeah, there's a few teams here that are going to challenge us. Uh, you mentioned like worst case scenario when you do go running back, running back is that that second and third round is just hammered in those yellow draft picks and it's all wide receivers. The third round is pretty wide receiver heavy, but yeah, I think we, we balance that out to be able to get more and Williams there. Team six has gone four wide receivers to start. Team ten has gone four wide receivers to start. So we are going to—they are going to challenge us in terms of uh, that wide receiver flex position. We'll see what they do over the next couple of picks here. Sean, you did mention—you know—the the Branton. I'm I'm not completely against Branton Cooks, but you mentioned Darnell Mooney. I have to say that uh, Mooney is somebody who, <laughs> in in solo drafts, I've been quite heavy on. I've been hitting a lot of the super flex drafts over at the FFPC and those teams that I've been kind of targeting my. Second quarterback to be Justin Fields, and I've been trying to pair him up with Mooney and those. The the drafter in six also hits Rashad Bateman there. So some of the targets I was hoping may have slid back to us where TJ Hawkinson, Rashad Bateman. They have both gone. The other ones I'm hoping that may slide here would be DK Metcalf. I mentioned Darnell Mooney. I might have to convince Sean to do that drafting. Around this range, they are the, the two wide receivers I tend to target. Other players that'll be around there will be JK Dobbins or some of the elite quarterbacks that are in that range. You have also added some other players to the queue, one of those being Elijah Moore. Uh, How are you feeling at this turn? I was hoping that we may have seen Hawkinson potentially slide back to us, but I didn't feel it was realistic. How are you feeling about the likes of uh, DK Metcalf or or Darnell Mooney, who you said a minute ago that you aren't drafting very much of making it back to us here at the turn?
2: Yeah, if we end up having those two players as our picks, I wouldn't have any problem with that at all. Metcalf, obviously a big-time playmaker, a touchdown scorer, a tournament winner, especially when you get this dis- discount, right? His ADP wide receiver twenty-seven. I'm confident that even with poor quarterback play, he can justify pri- that slot.
1: <laughs> Everything's priced in for him having a bad season. There, right? there there's no, uh, you know, there's no upside being added to that price.
2: No, <laughs> very little upside being added to that price at all there are some other kind of fun picks who are sitting out here as you said jk dobbins still there he would give us that hyper fragile start with three in the top five we'd be able to really wait on running back after that if we wanted to go that route i do think that uh, especially with the notes about joe flacco one of the things here that just is so frustrating is you almost do feel as an elijah moore garrett wilson drafter that if Wilson is out, they might actually score more points. So from that perspective, I think we have a little bit of protection against injuries in that QB position, whereas some of the other wide receivers, if they were to have an injury, then it would knock them down. There aren't that many receivers you're going to be drafting, where if the starting quarterback is out, then they go up in value. That could be the case with the Jets guys. Colm, I know you're disappointed here because Darnell Mooney does go off at the 509.
1: Yeah, there's no need to hide your excitement too much, Sean. Uh as he, <laughs> that means we don't have to draft him. Uh I do like Mooney. I think, you know, we're not going to target the volume, but I also think that he's a very good player. And I think the Bears are going to be behind in a lot of games. My biggest concern after preseason is that offensive line looks very, very bad. So we'll see how that plays out. But Sean, the team here that is up next from the tenth slot have started off Devontae Adams, Keenan Allen, Jalen Waddle, Marquise Brown. They are back on the clock. They're they're going to take DK Metcalf. I'm pretty sure of that, or else it'll be Chris Godwin. So we'll see how that goes here. Um, Patrick they Mahomes. Actually, they actually go Patrick Mahomes. So we'll, we'll settle for that. So we have one pick away. I would like to get DK Metcalf and another DK Metcalf would be my priority pick here at this point. Then we do have to consider the potential of somebody like Lamar Jackson. And I have been drafting a little bit of Dallas Goddard recently. How do you feel about him as a tight end option? Or are you trying to hold off to that tier? We mentioned earlier with commit and, uh,
2: you know Fairmith and those guys. I'm really trying to hold off. I'm not. I'm not saying that there's no way that Hawkinson and Goddard will work out. Obviously, I have quite a bit of Hawkinson. I'm basically not, just not trying to add more of him at this point. But Goddard again is in that same kind of position that we have with George Kittle. To where I mean, is he going to have some big games? I think so. He's very good. That passing offense could be crazy. Colm, we're down in 20 seconds, and Metcalf did make it through. Is that the first of the two picks here?
1: For me, it is, unless you have a reason that we don't take him in either of the two picks here.
2: (laughs) No, so we will go with Metcalfe, even slides a little bit below where he normally goes. Uh, For me, the next couple of picks, well, Elijah Moore has an ADP that's almost around later, and there is a way to play this offense much less expensively with Garrett Wilson, but I have an absolute ton of Garrett Wilson and just an absurd exposure level. And so in this particular draft where the wide receivers have gone early, we continue to see receivers go earlier and earlier. I would probably be okay taking him here. I think that he is actually undervalued at wide receiver 33. I mean, he's going to smash that spot. So we could go that direction. I'm
1: I'm open to that. The only other player I would pitch is if you want to go elite quarterback and go Lamar Jackson, but I'm good with more either. Either either are.
2: We had good fortune – with our elite quarterback play last year in Aaron Rodgers but we got Rodgers at a very nice discount because of the uncertainty one of the things that we played on that team and one of the things that we like to do column in all of our drafts is try to play the uncertain types of players now for me players with suspensions players with serious injuries that's not necessarily the kind of uncertainty that I'm looking to play but a situation where a quarterback who almost certainly is going to play for a team and a wide receiver who almost certainly is going to play for a team. If you can get them at a little bit of a discount, especially if you're talking about guys like Devonte Adams and Aaron Rodgers, that worked out for us. One of the reasons that our team made it in our team one is that Aaron Rodgers and Joe Burrow put up extremely positive point numbers, especially as we got down the stretch of the season and they weren't that expensive. Now we talk a lot about the QB window my highest exposures are Trey Lance, well, Trey Lance, and then I have guys like Jalen Hurts, Justin Fields, as some of the other main players in there. So it's not that we won't go for the expensive guys. I do have a variety of uh, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson teams in a situation similar to what we just had, where you don't really have anybody that you like at the 5-6 turn. And the 5-6 turn is tricky, right? That's... Almost the position that you struggle with this year more than, say, the first and second round turn, if you have that late spot, the five, six, the wide receivers have often dried up. So I will go Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray there in certain instances. And I, that's pretty exciting, right? I mean, you're sitting there thinking, well, I'm going to be the highest scorer in this league at QB. I'm going to be in a situation where if my team makes it to where I've drafted it to, <laughs> to make it then i have that flexibility in week 16 week 17 it could be either guy it could be a situation where in week 16 one player makes it through in week 17 the other one does that's the type of optionality that will allow you to have a roster that's similar to the week 16 winners or you know meets the six week 16 criteria but then is different in week 17 and can really be the team that finishes up in the top 10 hopefully at the very top spot but since we did go running back, running back, I felt we needed the wide receivers in this draft.
1: Yeah, no, I would agree with that. And, you know, getting I mentioned Mooney getting more. That I don't have a huge amount between those two guys, although you mentioned there is around, you know, half half to three quarters of a round of an ADP gap between those guys. The drafter who did take A.G. Brown earlier is after doubling that up with Jalen Hurts in the sixth round. I was actually going to ask you that question, then you've kind of already answered it, and that is, Sometimes we're looking to get those two quarterbacks in the window, but when you are at a turn like we are here, you mentioned the example at this particular spot, but there is those spots a little bit later, whether it's like a Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, there is options to to double up on those guys pretty quick. And um, I think having those wide receivers that we've built up now with the four wide receivers after the two running backs start allows us some flexibility as we move through the draft. I think sometimes when you get into that, eight nine range it can be a little bit of challenge if you if you haven't got um, those wide receivers to try and pivot to the quarterback position so sean so far we've uh we're looking pretty good team six i'm assuming sean has uh, has heard some of your content over the years as they have started out to get with a six wide receiver start i'm not targeting Thielen or robinson but he has really laid in with jamar chase cd lamb Pittman, robinson rashad bateman and adam Thielen. How, how long do you think both him and that drafter out of the 10th slot who has a quarterback and five receivers are going to hold that to us? I, w- I would have preferred if they were a little bit more running back through
2: those opening six rounds. Yeah, this is something where it's probably bad for them and bad for us, right? Both because we don't want the wide receivers to dry up in a league that we're playing in because we need to have that to have the overall tournament winning upside And yet at the same time, it's probably not the way to play a best ball league. We talk about what are the differences in zero RB between best ball and redraft. In redraft, this is a very viable way to approach it. You want to get the six of the top 15 overall guys. You can wait until the double digit rounds to select your first running back. In best ball, because you can't swap swap out players. And because the positional requirements are so specific and the overall final build really needs to hit certain numbers, then you don't have quite that flexibility. I was just looking it up to see how that had performed in this tournament the last couple of years. Obviously, it's an unusual start, right? Only 23 times, actually. 0% wins. It comes in with about an average score. There are no elite scores from that group. If we take it down and look at, say, taking five wide receivers in the first seven rounds, that still is something that hasn't been super effective. Only a 6.3 win rate. Again, not great top two percentile outcomes. So it probably doesn't work for him. And it's a situation where when you have that elite upside in players like Chase, Lamb, Pittman, Bateman, I mean, how do Robinson and Thielen really fit into that? Now, a lot of people are very enthusiastic about Robinson. I think it probably made more sense to be enthusiastic when we didn't have kind of these nagging concerns about matthew stafford but maybe that's really all just sort of smoke and mirrors or just not a big deal robinson thielen guys who could score a bunch of touchdowns we know that touchdowns are going to be very relevant in an optimized scoring format in a tournament format maybe that'll work out for him it certainly is not ideal for the drafters here in the top four slots where through six rounds only one team that had a top four slot has more than two wide receivers. So these two extremely wide receiver, heavy squads are hammering them. Hopefully we'll be in a a position to sort of thread the needle, come out and and benefit on both sides. I am glad that we did go with those four wide receivers, as opposed to taking a risk at tight end, taking a little bit of a luxury pick at QB. I was hoping that Drake London might fall a little bit further. Probably didn't have a realistic chance to get back to us, especially with this being a wide receiver, heavy draft his ADP in the last couple of days, still on a high volume of total drafts is there at seven Oh five. So he's sort of a mid seven pick. He does go to the turn draft there at seven Oh one. I like that selection. (laughs) I guess I've already made a pitch for the Falcons. Uh, Kadarius, Tony, at the 704 Amari Cooper 702 column. One of the articles released just a couple of days ago talks about Amari Cooper and how you can get his upside. If there is any upside, you can get his value, right? I mean, he's a value play where you're trying to get cheap targets and with Cooper specifically, you're trying to benefit from those cheap targets at the end of the season. I do think that unless you have a very specific type of build, then having Cooper early is, is going to hurt you a lot, but An article on how to get those cheap targets at a discount. And I think that if you're targeting that type of profile, that's not necessarily a league winning profile. It's more of a get us across type of profile. You want to do it inexpensively. But then again, you want to get any profile that you're targeting as inexpensively as you can. That's one reason why we have been targeting Wilson instead of Elijah Moore. You want to get that exposure to a specific offense and to a high talent level at a discount. Now, whether or not that'll actually be a discount i mean elijah moore was fantastic last season i was just noting in an article that will come out today that he had the second most points contributed to starting lineups among receivers drafted outside the top 100 last season and that's despite only playing in 50 percent of the snaps in eight games and he was the guy we were desperately hoping would be available for week 17 last year and was not so and then he's been supposedly the biggest standout of jets training camp so if you're talking about a rookie versus a second year receiver who's ready to ascend and be a star you're not necessarily getting a discount that's why the adp is different
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed
1: uh as as people hear that grow and that's uh that's trey lance going off the board <laughs> uh he was the the hope here to come back and we'll see if iuk makes it but there was an opportunity to potentially go Ayuk and lance um but we'll talk about that in a second sean but that is a heartbreaking a heartbreaking pick when we look through the players that have gone since us as dallas goddard chris godwin cam akers Jalen hurts there has been a quarterback run over the last uh, two rounds. We have David Montgomery, Adam Thielen, Josh Jacobs, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Zach Ertz, Alan Lazard, Drake London, Amari Cooper, Tony Pollard, Kadarius Tony, Joe Burrow, Chase Edmonds, Russell Wilson, Elijah Mitchell, and Trey Lance. I was hoping, Sean, that that was the pick that we got here at the back end of this round. And I can I can tell you already mentioned earlier that he was your most rostered quarterback, but he does go there a couple of picks before us, which is hugely disappointing. Any other players that are uh primed here miles sanders goes off the board antonio gibson is top of the board by adp i'm hoping that he goes off the board here before he gets to us but we will have back-to-back picks i like both Devontae smith and brandon ayuka's options here there is the quarterbacks and tom brady and dak prescott as potential options we do have our two top tier running backs and one of those guys who if we didn't have those would have been an interest was ramon Ray stevenson how are you feeling like playing as we are back on the clock sean 46 seconds to make a selection here
2: yeah, well, the top receiver by ADP is Hunter Redfro, and we did make a pitch for him as being a little bit undervalued. I do think that the potential league winners are probably Devontae Smith and Brandon Ayuk. It, it would be hard, I think, to go away from either player, especially when we did have that Henry Barkley start that gives us you know, these two potential legendary running backs to begin with.
1: Yeah, I think I think this pushes us into getting those two guys, and it probably turns into a potential three-quarterback build. But I, I'm willing to push quarterback to the next two rounds and see who maybe lasts to us if you want to go the way of uh, Ayuk and Smith. That would be my preferred
2: options. Okay, that's what I was going to ask you. If you were comfortable waiting at QB...
1: I just think those two guys are like, when we're looking at some of the profiles of these players, there's lots of, you know, if it was a case, if it was Renfro, we were picking here, I'm happy to go quarterback. But when we have the option for
2: I, and Smith, I think that's the the way to go for the upside plays. I, I do as well. Uh, the first thing we have to do is win this league. Right. And the kind of extreme builds that we're getting on both sides with some running back heavy and some wide receiver heavy, you know, we have this path sort of in between them. And even though, the vast, vast majority of my teams are two QBs in the window. I don't think that you want to get so caught up in it that you don't sort of show the flexibility in a given draft. I think that Tom Brady is a value here. I think that he probably is the right play here. And yet it just that one doesn't get me fired up to you know <laughs> root for this team all season in the way that waiting for a Derek Carr or a Justin Fields, a Daniel Jones, a Jerry Goff, a Marcus Mariota. Baker Mayfield. <laughs> Colin, how did, how did Baker Mayfield get into the conversation there?
1: I don't know. We have DJ Moore. <laughs> we, we could hold out for Geno Smith as well. Um, I, I think The last
2: thing we need is another week 17 where we have yeah, any sort of Baker Mayfield incentive and he's throwing the ball into the backs of his offensive linemen again.
1: We are running this back a little bit, though, Sean. We mentioned DJ Moore. We also have Elijah Moore, who you mentioned. So, uh, you know, we might want to get some of that Baker Mayfield, uh, Jarvis Landry exposure just to break our hearts again.
2: Memories, memories. Colin, in terms of looking at this team now and this running back and wide receiver heavy start. Obviously one of the things that we talk a lot about on the shows that we write a lot about in the best ball workshops on the site are the importance of actually executing the onesie positions, getting your tight ends, getting your quarterbacks, not getting so locked in on, Oh, I need to keep up with the Joneses on running back and receiver depth and ignoring these positions that do dictate winning your lead. They put you in position to win tournaments How do you feel about the flexibility to occasionally go away from that? Again, it's going to depend how much individual listeners are drafting. If you're going to draft five times, you're going to have a little bit different approach than if you're drafting 10, which is going to be a little bit different than if you're drafting 50, which is going to be a little bit different than if you're drafting 150. And so, you know, from that perspective, you have to select an approach that works for what your overall volume is going to be on the season But given that the vast majority of my teams are executing those i do like to go away from it when i think it makes sense in part because you don't ever want to get so locked in that you start making bad decisions on the clock just to try and enforce the structure and in some cases maybe diversifying into players that you don't actually want in your portfolio but the other part then is yes these things historically have been very successful Yes, there's a logic behind that. It's not just saying, oh, this worked before, it'll probably work again. There are reasons why it works. And yet we know that specifically at the onesie positions, especially, we're talking about a handful of players, right? And so if you do have a late round quarterback who comes through with a big season, if you do have some late round tight ends who come through with big seasons in a particular year, then that's going to have an outsized impact on how that entire campaign plays out. And I don't know that you want to have zero exposure to some of those types of eventualities, especially having zero exposure when the team and the league kind of dictated that you had a good opportunity to get the exposure in that instance.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with everything you said there. In terms of the way this roster has played out, after eight rounds, I'm very pleased with Horror set. And We'll see how that plays out now through the next... 12 rounds but something that I wanted to hit on also when you mentioned about the tight end position like we did discuss Cole Komet earlier Cole Komet has gone off the board in the early eighth round he normally goes kind of mid ninth round we have some players in this draft who have taken players as we mentioned the team at the 101 has taken a couple of players quite a bit before ADP and Darren Waller Brees Hall also took Drake Lunt a couple of picks before ADP what we're seeing here is Cole Komet has gone off the board a bit around before normal Dawson Knox goes a little bit earlier. Zach Ertz actually goes off the board a full round earlier than normal. So there's a there's a couple of players here who have kind of switched up that tight end ADP. And I think sometimes if people are really pushing the ADP, the part that some drafters might get sucked into is oh, I've got to go and get my tight end now before they're all gone. And then they pass up somebody like let's say Devontae Smith or Branton I to make sure they get a tight end that isn't off the same equivalent value. So my thing is trying to stick to the goals that we talk about in, in all our shows, but when it's a case that the draft falls in a certain way to be able to kind of have that flexibility, and I think how we've set this up is going to give us some flexibility for when we need to make those decisions a little bit later. Both Tom Brady and Dak Prescott go off the board in back-to-back picks at the end, towards the end of the, the eighth round here, but its I, I do think what you said there about not being overly locked into that exact time to get the player and really pushing it. Like if you take, let's say you take Kirk Cousins in the quarterback window, just to force to have a quarterback in the quarterback window, you know, it's kind of going against the whole entire premise of it. So I think it's important to do it when the the timing's right and how the board falls. But you know, there's there's certain teams here we've talked about some of the players they've taken that we aren't targeting or we aren't you know trying to get in and draft. I've I've been quite harsh on Adam Thielen this offseason. He's a mid sixth round pick we take know Branton and Devontae Smith after him and both those I would rather take those guys in his draft slot (laughs) straight up and we get them quite a bit considerably later so there's certain things that people are doing that that I don't think work in this but that drafter that I'm saying about Adam Thielen has actually ran up that wide receiver start that he has with Chase Edmonds and Kareem Hunt so things may start to look quite bright for that, that drafter as we move forward here Sean some teams in this draft, are really putting themselves as we talk about the structure of our roster into very challenging spots. For example, draft right of seven starts Travis Kelsey, Aaron Jones, James Conner, then takes Terry McLaurin, then goes back to AJ Dillon, David Montgomery, Russell Wilson, Antonio Gibson. So they have started this draft with a tight end, a quarterback, one wide receiver, and five running backs. You can start three, you can start four running backs actually in this this format, but there's certain teams in here who, although we haven't got our you know, elite quarterback we maybe want to specifically to get and we may not have our elite tight end I think in this particular room we are getting advantages through what other players are also doing as well as hopefully setting ourselves up for success with with what we've done so far
2: I think that's exactly right you do point out that you can start four running backs in this format if you draft specifically to do that then the win rates end up not being particularly strong all you have to do pull up the Blair Andrews, win the flex, and you'll see how that doesn't really work from a positional scoring perspective. Now, again, any individual season, you're going to see strange results. If you hit on all the right guys, then you have the potential with the fun line. at that team also does start with Travis Kelsey, so they're in all likelihood going to get some elite tight end scoring. One of the great things about fantasy is that within any given league, in any given year, you never know how things are going to pan out. It is too bad to see Pat Fryermuth go off the board there in the middle of the ninth round. He is an interesting tight end selection. His ADP in the last couple of days is at 9-11 as drafters are souring a little bit on the Steelers' offense, but also very enthusiastic about George Pickens and his potential to be the league winner there if both Deontay Johnson and George Pickens demand a lot of target volume then the question is how much will be left over. But I do tend to think that a functional offense benefits the tight ends who you want to be effective in the red zone and guys who are down by the red zone frequently. I think Pickens could actually help Fryermouth. Obviously, he crushes Chase Claypool. We're three picks away. Matthew Stafford still there. Again, has the elbow concerns. Derek Carr still there. Aaron Rodgers still there. I was going to ask you if... You know, we had kind of the fun episode where I was giving Aaron Rodgers a hard time. But, you know, Romeo Dobbs, call him. Uh, again, just in this preseason game, a touchdown getting open at will. If he pushes his way into that starting lineup along with an Alan Lazard, I don't know. Are, are you thinking that Aaron Rodgers now starts to become draftable? His ADP, 1003. So looking here at the end of nine, Matthew Stafford, Derek Carr, Aaron Rodgers, those are the guys you would be looking at at that turn. The next turn features Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. Some high-end outcomes possible there, but definitely a lot different in terms of what you're looking at for the floor.
1: Yeah I think he is draftable but uh, my concern is still not going to be the players that the Packers have an offense is going I think the Packers defense is going to just crush teams this year I, I don't think they're going to need to put up points and I think that's going to encourage the the slow pace of play but when we get into a situation where we're you know really pushing into the 9-10 turn here I do think he's very much draftable there if you're asking me who would I rather draft him or Stafford I'm, I'm probably leaning towards him uh, Derek Carr does go off the board then James Cook we are on the clock. We have fifty-six seconds. I, I I'm willing to kind of probably go to the the next turn and see if we get two end fields in that kind of range. But if you want to take a quarterback here, I'm I'm good with that as well. The the probably the top picks for me would be Traylon Burks and Rashad Penny, but we've really loaded up on those wide receiver positions. So if you want to pivot some tight end options, but nothing that's getting me hugely overexcited, although our favorite Nalberdo is is there. Still concerns around some of the uh the reports over recent weeks.
2: Yeah, I don't know. This uh, Penny here feels like a must draft. Well, He's he, about good.
1: No, I was going to say he he feels like the player that I think we have to take, and then I was thinking the other kind of secondary option would be a quarterback, or else um potentially Aaron Rodgers, or else we could pivot into um the tight end position.
2: Yeah. Do you have a preference? I mean, Stafford, if he plays, <laughs> is. Kind of hard to, and I say if he plays, I mean, he's going to play, but if he's limited, I don't know. I might be all the way around to Rogers here. I think the efficiency is going to be there again. Obviously he was a strong play for us a season ago. You know, he has Devontae Adams. And one of the things we'd like there was that it was with Devontae Adams. We could very easily in all likelihood will end up without any of his pass catchers in this draft. If we select him, Call him Albert o or Aaron Rodgers here.
1: Let's go with Rodgers. Let's go with Rodgers. The reason for that pick is that I I want us to win, so Sean has to declare his undying love for Aaron Rodgers at the end of the season. There we go. There we go. That that wasn't. Uh, I'm not sold on the Rodgers. The other thing I'm thinking is there is some later potential options that we could pair in, and we have waited on tight end to this point. There is obviously. You know, tight end once you get past those elite guys, a lot of it is going to be related to touchdown production. You know, you could potentially at, at a later stage pair them up with the likes of Robert Tonyan to try and get some stacking action in this build a little bit later. Um, I'm still drafting Albert Okobunum in certain drafts, but I, I really like trying to get, you know, two to three tight end builds and then also putting one of the rookie tight ends in there at the end of it both of them in in certain drafts but that's making me kind of pass over alberto for the just the the price discount you're getting on greg dulcich at this particular point so we'll see alberto feels like a player who in certain drafts is going to slide considerably and he he is somebody who could potentially sneak back around to us i don't know that he will we have quite a few teams in this draft already that have two tight ends on the roster I-, I was hoping justin Fields was going to come back to us in the next round so that obviously doesn't happen he goes off the board th- three picks after us zach uh zach kruger's guy brian robinson goes one pick after us at the ten o two. we also seen isaiah pacheco go off the board in the mid-ninth round so those rookie running backs are getting getting hyped up quite strong we have the robert woods drafter also taking trail on works on his team sean i just wasn't sold on any singular pick there that is kind of a range where when you are on the board if you have started off without those elite running backs that we have you know a penny and a second option like the likes of a kenneth gainwell or a brian robinson are very exciting to, to pair together there how are you feeling about that Aaron rogers pick at this particular point i think in the range that he's going at i think i think that's a fair value for him even with the concerns i have i think there's going to be still some spike weeks in there.
2: Yeah, they're going to be spike weeks. And the one thing I wanted to avoid if we had good options, and we obviously did have good options, was to go completely outside the QB window uh, for for even our QB one. So we didn't want to get into that position. We do have some guys who could theoretically come back around, in Garrett Wilson and Romeo Dubs on the wide receiver position. I mean, the guy that I actually – was the most interested there was Rondell Moore. He does go, I believe here at the 209. That's a good selection. I think that he is going to have a big season, but I do have quite a bit of more exposure that would have been ahead of ADP. When you're looking at those rookies potentially wrapping back to us, I think taking the QB there made sense. It's also a situation where even though those rookie wide receivers may wrap back around and George Pickens goes at the 10-10, what we're going to have to address tight end as well. And so there does become a point where you have to get your QBs and your tight ends going.
1: Or you could just get Noah Font and Gerald Everett and, and be done with it.
2: Well, that's kind of our plan. But even if we, <laughs> our even if the, that's the plan, then you, you still have to position yourself to make some of those selections, right? And sometimes you can think, okay, well, I have this target in round 11, this target in round 12, this target in round 13. I have some flexibility here. There are some receivers I like. And then you get to those picks and you realize, oh, I mean, I do like the guys here, but I can only take one, right? I can't, I don't have two second, 12th round picks. I don't have two 13th round picks. And so making sure that you kind of mapped out what those positions have to be, sometimes you can get in a situation where you are here a little bit where you get those two running backs to start, in Barkley and Henry, and you're thinking, man, we're flying. This is this is great. As long as we don't get completely wiped out at wide receiver, then we're going to be golden. Then you get a stretch where you take DJ Moore, Mike Williams, DK Metcalf, Elijah Moore, Brandon Ayuk, Devontae Smith, and you're thinking, okay, we've got this draft one. right? We have the flexibility, and we have the upside at those positions. And then there are plenty of players that you like in rounds 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. And you can forget that, I mean, you, you may like guys there, but the, the whole build still has to work together. So when you said Aaron Rodgers, I was glad to hear that. I think that that puts us in a perfect position to finish out this roster the way that I like. Now, there are some guys in Jerry Goff specifically who I think you could flip him out for Kirk Cousins and say, that's going to be the same scoring outcome. Kirk Cousins goes in the middle of 10. And I'm not saying that Kirk Cousins is a bad pick. I mean, when you have Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, then not only is your overall season looking very solid, but in an individual game, you could, I mean, Kirk Cousins is not good, right? So he's probably not going to pull off that week 17, Jared Goff game that we saw last year. he's probably not going to have too many of those, but again, you have Justin Jefferson and, and Adam Thielen, the, Sky is the limit. So I'm not criticizing that pick, but I think with Jared Goff and the way that he's looked early on here, and Colin speaking of which he's done that Patrick Mahomes impression in his drive here in preseason, Patrick Mahomes, I believe, has played three drives, has led three scores, has looked infallible and unstoppable
1: he should be the qb1 right yeah that's well let, let's see if he makes it back to us the way this draft's going we're, we're not quite sure but that is going to wrap us up for part one we are just ending the 10th round we'll be wrapping through we have started off with saquon barkley derrick henry dj moore mike williams dk metcalf elijah moore brandon ayuk Devontae smith rashad penny and Arn rogers we'll be back for part two very very soon make sure you're subscribed to the road of his overtime podcast feed to get all your shows once they come out, drop us a written review on your favorite podcast app. And until we're back with another show, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotovis Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovisradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotovis And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Roto-Viz Radio homepage, rotovis.com forward slash podcast.